as they come to speak. Pray for me. I'll do that. <sighs> Is the food ready yet? Almost? Okay. Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, okay, so you need to take notes uh, or notice the fact that the laptop is not up here. Um, this is something, what, what I felt like I needed to share this morning, what we felt like we needed to share, is not going to be a typical like message or sermon. I'm not going to like, you know, three points or anything like that. Uh, not that you guys are accustomed to that when I talk anyways. Um, there's not going to be anything on the overhead. Again, you're not really surprised by that, I'm sure. Uh, but what I wanted to do is I wanted to, uh, if I can, walk you through about the last year of mine and my wife's life. And, and more importantly, the last six years uh, of our life. And what we really feel like um, God has done and is continuing to do and wants to challenge you to do further than you are right now uh, from this point forward. So if you have your Bibles, open up to the book of John, chapter 10. John 10. Verse 27. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Aren't you glad that he knows you? And they follow me. Uh, my sheep that are my own hear, my, hear and listen to my voice. Another translation says, My voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The question that we need to be asking ourselves is this. What is God saying to you? It's super easy to follow a vision of a man. If, if you have your wits about you, if you have a brain between your ears, and you love God, if there is a vision set before you, you can follow that vision. No problem. But I think that what God really is after is He's after a, a, a more intimate, a deeper obedience in the small things. Because it's really easy to, to be obedient when it's, God, if you send me to the mission field, I'll go. Great. What about helping that person who's putting their groceries in their trunk and is, you know, having a hard time? It's small things. The obedience factor. What is God saying to you, to us? What is the Lord asking of you in your life? Are you listening? Do we, do you hear him speaking? We have to ask these questions. And it seems so trivial and it seems so elementary. And it's like, Pastor Ben, this is super easy. We're past the obedience point. Well, no, we're not. And here's how I know we're not. There's empty chairs in this room. Like, this is one of those messages where I'm going to be like, Yay, I can step on your toes. I'm leaving. <laughs> you hear me? We have to begin to take obedience seriously. 
Obey what God's saying. Acts 5.29. Peter and the apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Now hear me, that's, that may sound initially like, hey, well, if the pastor says this, and for those of you guys who've been through power school or been through creative school ministry, and we're talking about submission to authority, obviously you need to submit to authority. And, I, and I'm thankful that our pastor is not an abusive pastor who takes his, uh, his God-given authority and, and uses it like a, a hammer to beat the sheep into submission. He doesn't do that. I've, I've known him for a long time. I've never once seen him take the authority that God's given him and use it as a, as a tool to force people to obey. That's good. And that's where the congregation says, Amen. Amen. That's, that's really good. Jesus said in, in the book of Acts and, and others, wait for him, for his presence. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples. Lay hands on the sick. It's not like we're without command from the Lord. It's not like Jesus hasn't said, do this or do that. He's speaking. The, the, the thing that I hear most as a youth pastor is, I, I, Pastor Ben, I just can't hear the voice of the Lord. I had this conversation with a young person this week. He's not, he's not saying anything. Yeah, he is. My response was, yeah, he is. He is saying something. His word is active, alive. It's always speaking. It's ready. It's quick. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. His word is alive. Yes. Something I tell the teenagers all the time, and I'm going to tell you again as my final farewell. Don't just read the book as a book. Read it. Put yourself there. What would it be like to feel the sea blowing on your face, to, see, to feel the wind, to feel the salt air blowing in your face. Imagine that. It seems like we'd have no, well, Pastor Ben, we'd have no problem, all of us, we'd be like, I'd have no problem obeying if I could see that and feel that. Really? You would. You can do it. You step outside right now and you can feel it. That's not like just, it's, it, it, that's my jam. Oh man, I've been waiting for that song. could be worse. There could be like... <laughs> yes. So, see if I can reel that back in. We're, we're not left without instructions. We're not left without things to, to listen to and obey. But sometimes we allow the clutter of this world, and I'm getting there, just stay with me, okay? To, to, to mess up our hearing, to distract us if you will. Okay, Hebrews. Last scripture, and then that I want you to turn to. Hebrews chapter 5, if you can. If you will. On a side note, I think it's interesting, the Lord is sending us to Texas. Um, when we went to this church, uh, of course, they all know we're from Alabama. So, you know, it was, we sat down, and there's Longhorn fans and A&M fans, and everybody's looking at me and like, so you, and I was weird. I'm like, come on, can I not get away from this football thing? I mean, seriously. I mean, give me a break, Lord. What is this? And I just looked at him and I said, listen, I don't root for Alabama. I don't root for, I don't root for Auburn. And I don't root for Texas A&M and I don't root for the Longhorns, Texas Longhorns. I don't know. See, I don't even know. I don't, I don't root. I know I see it, Cam. Thank you. Uh, yes, the Crimson Tide is, is, Amazing. If it'll help the offering, I'm roll tide. I mean, <laughs> roll tide, roll all day long, roll. 
If there's any Texas A&M fans in here, oh, come on. <laughs> Whatever, I don't know. Whatever. See, I don't know. Uh, so they, they were, they kind of want to force me. And I felt that same pressure when I moved here. But I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. I'm not going to declare. I'm, I'm, I'm going to declare that Jesus is Lord and that uh, I don't have to pick a team. I'm going to stick to a ball of a different shape and size, okay? So, Hebrews chapter 5. This is the amplified version, which is amazing. It says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up definitive, special petitions for that which he not only wanted but needed, and supplications with strong crying and tears to him who was always able to save him out from death. And we heard because of his reverence toward God, his godly fear, his piety, in that he shrank from the horrors of separation from the bright presence of the Father. Although he was a son, he learned active, special obedience through, that, through what he suffered. Excuse me. To be affected or, to, uh, or have been affected to feel, have a sensible experience to undergo. That word suffered. Underline that. Circle it. Highlight it, put a star around it, tear it out of your Bible and stick it on your forehead, do something so it'll stick. Okay? And his complete experience making him perfectly equipped, he became the author and source of eternal salvation to all those who give heed and obey him. I want to talk to you guys this morning about obedience. I mean, big time obedience. Something that the Lord has been speaking to my wife and I about for some time is what it means to be, to be obedient, what it means to obey when it's, when, when it's not easy. That word suffer, to be affected or to have been affected, to feel, have sensible experience, to undergo. That's what that, that word means. When we read that, at least for me, my first, my first thought is the cross. Like when I, when I see suffer, the things he suffered, I, I think the beatings, the flogging, the, the, the crown of thorns... Him being crucified on the cross. I don't know if that's just me. I'm going to guess it's not just me. That's the first place our mind goes, is the things he suffered. But there's more to it than just that. He suffered things of this world. He suffered the separation, leaving the Father. He suffered uh, what it was like to experience being a human being. I don't know about you, but a, a human experience is, you know, is full of suffering. It's full of anxiety. It's full of, how do we navigate this? How do we navigate that? How do we deal with our children? How do we raise our children to, to fear, to love, to honor the Lord, to be uh, obedient children? How do we do those things? Those are all things that, except for the children part, in, in the natural sense, that Jesus suffered. And he does suffer the children thing. He's looking at his children going, man, you guys are stupid. Like, just let's be real. I mean, I'm, I'm, I really think that Jesus probably was like, man, you guys just aren't getting it. He called, he called Peter Satan. There was a time when, when he, that we just weren't getting it. We're still not getting it, by the way. By most uh, shots, we're not getting it. Okay? So suffer is more than just the cross. It's more than just the beating. It's more than just the affliction, the, the physical stuff that happened. He experienced the world in all that it was. Don't bypass, okay, to be affected, the suffer to be affected. Don't bypass the effect God wants to have in your life. You're suffering. You're going through this life for a reason. Man, about a year ago, I was going like this. I have no idea, God, why 
why things like this are happening, why we're experiencing the things we're experiencing, why we're this or that, or, or why things feel this way. And, and what we came to is, a, is, it was the Lord, it was a process the Lord designed for us. Hey, look, I'm going to put you in a process, and you're going to hate this process. But I promise you, if you submit yourself to this process, at the end, somewhere in the middle of this process, you're probably going to come to love this process, because I'm refining you as gold. I'm making you something more than you are right now. I'm pulling out of you what's really there. That's where I'm at. That's where we're at. And guess what? That's where you're at. And it is a good place to be. If we will go, you know what? I think I'm just going to embrace this process. I think I'm just going to take this process and go, you know what? I like it here. It's in that place of contentment and trust that we find God is doing something in us. He's more, uh, he's more concerned with doing something in you than he is with doing something through you. If he can do something in you, the through you will come. But if he can't do anything in you, if he can't refine who you are, he will never be able to do something through you. Don't bypass the effect God wants to have in your life. Don't bypass the equipping. Allow him to do his perfect will in your life. Anytime you want to come on up here, that would be fantastic. Okay, great. This is like, we had this, let me explain. Pastor told me on Wednesday night he wanted me to speak, and God had already been talking to us. I'm just going to give you a moment of pure vulnerability and something a speaker should never do. Told me on Wednesday night that he wanted me to speak. I worked Thursday from 7 to 5, came to worship practice, went home and passed out because I had to be at work at 4 a.m. on Friday. Went to work at 4, got off at 1, got my hair cut because the first place to cut my hair did it wrong. I mean, wrong. And then, I don't know what we did on Friday night. Um, But Saturday, I had a whole bunch of errands to do. I spent five and a half hours trying to get my car straightened out. Uh, so what we did on Friday night is my wife and I had this dialogue. I said, look, here's what I'm, here's what's shaking on the inside. Here's what I'm feeling. I'm going to spit a bunch of stuff out. And she's, I said, just write that down and see what happens. So I got home yesterday from doing all the stuff with the car and she had printed, typed all this lovely stuff out. And I'm like, man, she said, do you want to add anything? I'm like, no, you, you, you kind of nailed it. <laughs> I mean, she's like, will you talk? I'm like, yeah, I'll talk. But there's, I mean, I added some few things, and, you know. Uh, but this is her design. She took, she took what I said and made it better. He who finds a wife finds a real good thing, okay? So, uh, in addition to this whole idea of, of wanting to challenge you guys with obedience and, and kind of walk you through and take you on the journey of the last year, six years, however you want to look at it. Um, and honestly, I don't know what happened a year ago. Like, for us. We just found ourselves um, in a place with the Lord where, uh, and it wasn't circumstantial. Like, it, it wasn't like a circumstantial church thing. It was like a circumstantial like thing with our, our personal, individual walk with the Lord. And we kind of looked at each other and we're like, man, there's something just, something missing. There's something, it just, it doesn't feel dry, but it doesn't feel like really like saturated with the Holy Spirit. Uh, so we started to seek the Lord a little bit more and just kind of hear what he was saying. Um, and this is kind of what came out of it. Um, but uh, let, me, let me read some of this stuff to you and kind of expound. Um, obedience 
is not always easy. If you're going to write anything down today in this mumble-jumbled mess of uh, talk that I'm giving this morning, write that down. I mean, you can put that on a 3x5 card in your refrigerator and it will never go out of date. (laughs) Obedience is not always easy. Comma. Put a comma. But it defines your life. What if Jesus decided in the garden when he doubted if he could actually go through with what God the Father was asking him to do? What if he said, you know what? How about this? We'll let the Holy Spirit do it. (laughs) What if he said no? He said, Father, this cup can pass. There's another way. And let's just break it down in plain old English. Man, God, I don't want, Dad, I don't want to do this. I, I, I don't want to do this. I'm just going to say right now, I don't want to do this. If there's any other way, if there's somebody else that we can you know, call you know, one of the prophets from old and have them do this, and sweet, let's do that. Because I, I, I really don't want to do it. But, not my will. Let yours be done. He was always consumed with the Father's will. He never did anything he didn't see the Father do. He never said anything he didn't hear the Father say. Jesus was about the Father's will. But he was in the flesh. He was the man And he had to make a decision. He had to make a choice. So obedience is not always easy, but it does define your life. If you obey, you are a disciple of Christ. Acts 5.29, we just read that. If you obey, you express your love for God. If you obey, you say, He is Lord of your life. Abraham and Isaac, the story of Abraham and Isaac. Like, Abraham had waited for Isaac for a very long time. He was like, man, this is... This is my son. I've been waiting for him to promise. And now you... He didn't... He didn't uh, it, the Bible doesn't say he had this dialogue with God. He doesn't say like, Hey, God, are you sure? Like, you, are you really sure? Because this is not supposed to happen like this, I didn't think. Are you sure it's supposed to go like this? Are you sure you want me to, to take the promise and go sacrifice it on a mountain? You want, this, you want the promise to carry his own wood? I mean, that's pretty messed up. That's like me loading up Micah. Hey, we're going to go for a walk. I need you to hold, I need you to carry this wood. You got your pocket knife? Because we're going to need that too. Like, you don't read Abraham having this dialogue with God. He knew that somehow, some way, God was faithful and everything was going to be okay. Come what may, or I will do whatever you ask. You are Lord no matter the cost. That's crazy obedience and crazy faith Abraham exhibited. If you obey, you'll be blessed. We talked about this with teenagers on, on uh, Wednesday. You know, Deuteronomy is, is the, the blessing and cursing book. If you, if, you, if you obey, you're blessed. If you disobey, you're not blessed. You're cursed. Okay, God calls, has called us to obedience. Um, and these are some things over the past years that the Lord has asked of us. Some of these will f- seem maybe trivial to you, but for us, they were huge. And the first, first four, uh, actually all of them really, let's just, I'm just going to read them and I'll expound when necessary. you going to come up anytime soon? You want to talk at the end? Is that what you're going to do to me? No? Okay. You said you weren't going to leave me up here. You left me up here. Okay. Uh, six years ago, a little over six years ago, God called us to leave the comforts of our family. He called us, to, he said, listen, uncomfortable, super uncomfortable. 
I've said this before, but like when I was looking to go full-time in the ministry, Alabama was not on the list. By the way, Texas wasn't on that list either, just to make sure that clear. Texas wasn't on the list like four weeks ago, not on the list of places that we wanted to go. Hey, let's move our family to Texas. That sounds like a great idea. Hey, Alabama too. Yes. Not for any particular reason, but just wasn't on the list. We were like Hawaii. Florida would be fine, just somewhere not Daytona. Okay, so he, he, he called us to lead the comforts of our family, to follow a vision in a man's heart for a city. Listen to me, Church of the Shoals. There's still a vision that has to be fulfilled. There's still a mandate on this house that has to be fulfilled. Resign from a position that we've desired. Four years ago, I stood on a platform, read a resignation letter with no idea what was going to happen. Walked off the platform, completely trusting God, loving my pastors, and believing in what God put in their heart. And I've never, not for one second, told this to teenagers on, on Wednesday, I'm telling you adults right now, never, not for one second, have I ever regretted that decision. Not once. Not one time. You need to hear that. Plow the ground, sow the seeds. These are things that God asks us to be obedient to. He called us to plow. He called us to sow seeds. He called us to water seeds, to reap a harvest. To go without luxury, take only what we needed. We had a lot of luxury when we were in Florida. And since then, I'll never forget this. In the first few weeks we were here, Greg DeVries stood in front of me and said, you're going to have to give up a whole bunch of stuff. And when you do, God's going to use you mightily through the nations. We gave up a bunch of stuff, and we're not patting ourselves on the back. We did it because we wanted to be obedient to God. Not because we wanted to be obedient to our pastors, but because we wanted to be obedient to God. To work hard. This was hard work. still is hard work, and there's still more work to be done. So, men and women of Church of the Shoals, young people, put your gloves on, get your work boots on, and work. Don't lean on the provision of man. Lean on me. Fast and pray. If you're part of this church, I don't have to explain that last one. don't have to do it you guys know what I'm talking about be faithful when it's hard be faithful when it's hard stay focused on the upward call run with perseverance those are 11 things that we just hammered out that we felt like God was asking of our family to do our kids love the adventure of all of 11 of those things. And they were like, well, they probably don't know. They know. Especially Micah. He knows. Though at times it was hard, and it seemed at times it was hard to hear his voice, he steadied us, he held us, and he guided us, and he watched over us. What we would have learned, what we have learned, rather, and what we would have missed if we got anxious. Okay? What we have learned, and what we would have missed if we got anxious, fearful, and patient is more than we can even know right now. But just to name a few things. These are a few things we're going to name. And then I'm going to let her come up and kind of share a few things. And I'm going to force her to. It's going to happen. Uh, Again, I want to reemphasize that God is far more concerned with doing something in us than he is with doing something through us. He's way more concerned with that. Okay, so the first thing. uh, The assurance of God's faithfulness. As I read this list, you need to know, it wasn't just something that we learned because we were being obedient to God. And I want to say this, like, I've watched 
our pastors live every single one of these out. Every single one. I've never once, not one time, have I ever heard Pastor Bill or Deanna go, I just don't think God's going to make, I, I just don't think we're going to be able to pay all the bills. Not one time has that ever came out of his mouth. Not one time. So the assurance of God's faithfulness. Not only are we rest assured in God's faithfulness, but our pastors were t- uh, to the utmost confident in the faithfulness of the Lord. The benefits of being patient and waiting on God as a young man coming here at, at 28 and a half years old, 29 years old, I was ready to go, 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 go. Something I learned from this man and his wife, there's no reason to rush. You've got a lifetime. Take your time. God was never in a rush. Jesus was never in a rush. Wait. We gained a stronger, healthier marriage and family. We have learned to care for one another better and more on purpose. No one else was in our position. No one else was young and married and in ministry in this area. We had nobody. So you know who we had? We had each other and our pastors. That was it. As far as people who could really genuinely understand what it was like to be in full-time ministry, have three kids, and going, going through life. So we gained a healthier, stronger marriage, and I am forever grateful for that. A better understanding of when to listen and when to talk. We're really good at talking. Like, I just like to talk. I could talk and talk and talk. Uh, and you probably like, it's time to shut up. But we've learned to listen more. We've learned to listen and slow down and listen. We've learned to not react. Be super easy to react. It'd be super easy to just go, you know what? This is really hard. I'm out. This is super, super hard. I'm leaving. This marriage is difficult. I'm out. My kids are not doing what I want them to do. I'm out. This youth group is apathetic or or lazy or whatever. I'm out, which I don't feel like that at all, by the way. I'm just making stuff up. So you understand. The ability to let go of things in relationships. People have left. Surprise! People have left the church. People have left this church. People that were friends. We have to trust God with that. Our response is not to ostracize them or to ridicule or to question. My responsibility is to be obedient to God and to love. Guess what? I'm going to be obedient to God and I'm going to love. I'm going to do my best to love when it's hard. That's also something I've learned from my pastor. The understanding of uh, that our relationship with God is serious and it needs to run deep. What's the saying? Uh, Still waters run deep. If there's one thing I've, I've noticed for the last six years, there's not a whole lot that shakes our pastor. Serious. I mean... He knows what God's saying to him, and he's going to stick to it. You can trust it. That's steady. That's constant and consistent leadership. The understanding that we are not perfect. I know that some of you guys are like, Pastor Ben, Lauren, you guys are perfect. you got the best marriage ever. Guess what? Not by a long shot. We're not perfect. I mean, she's perfect. She's perfectly awesome for putting up with me. But we're not perfect. And neither are you. Um, slide that in there (laughs) we've learned to have a stronger desire to follow him if you hunger and thirst after righteousness you're going to be filled 
we've gained friendships and extended family. And do you want to come up now? You're not going to be able to do it, are you? Wow, okay. You're going to leave me up here by myself. That's awesome. So, uh, as one chapter closes, as this chapter of our life closes, as, as our time here in the Shoals kind of cl- comes to a close and another opens, I want you guys to hear this, that everything that happens from this point on, everything from the time we walk out of this door this afternoon till forever, everything that we do, every place we go, every people that God sends us to to minister is going to be marked by the shoals. It's going to be marked by you guys. Every teenager that we come into contact with from this point on and, and how we minister and how we do things, it'll be a reflection of the time we spent with Pastor Bill and Deanna. The relationships that we have here, everything we do will be a reflection. It'll be marked. It'll be an, an imprint. It'll be a reflection of what happened over the last six years. The challenge we want to leave with you is to continue to run the race. Be available to God for his purposes, which includes serving this house, serving this community, serving these pastors. Seek out a way that you can uh, use what God placed on the inside of you to fulfill the mandate on this house. He didn't give you the gifts that you have just so you could sit there and go, wow, I can build a website. What do I do with that? I can, I can sing. What do I do with that? I can scrub toilets. You know what I was doing when I first walked here? Randy is my witness. I was mopping the bathroom because the urinal had ever flowed. Can you mop? I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't mop at home. I'm like, <laughs> Nah. I vacuum. I've heard that women find men more attractive when they're vacuuming. (laughs) Well, what do you think? Is that true? (laughs) No. Okay. Well, then don't listen to me. Find a way to use what God's given you. He's placed something on the inside of you. Use it. Be faithful to this house. Be available. If there's one thing... That God, God doesn't need you to be perfect. He doesn't need your gift to be completely refined. He needs you. He needs your body. He needs you to be available. I love, I'm just going to point this out. I love, I love, I love this. When Jeremiah uh, left and moved to Nashville, we were without a keyboard player. Like Frank didn't come up to me and go, hey, do you think I could sit in with you guys? He's like, no, there's a spot open. I've got a gift. I want to use it. He stepped up on the platform. Do that. Link arms with the pastor and his wife, with, this, with our pastors, and follow. There is work to be done, Church of the Shoals. More than anything, I want to be able to, to, to call and to check in and see on Facebook that God is doing what he placed in this man's heart. Everything that happens from this point on, everything we do, it'll be a reflection of our time here. This is not goodbye. I'll see you later. We're going to see each other. I mean, it's not like a perfect straight path to Nashville through here if we're going to see my in-laws. But, you know, it's, it's a 45-minute jaunt that I'd gladly take. Hear me. 
God really still has work to do. And you have to focus on that. God's faithful, and he wants you to be available and to be obedient to what he's asking you to do. Amen? You sure? You're not going to share anything? Come on, Marie. Please? You can do it. I've done it. You can do it. I just was crying. <laughs> I don't. Um, I don't know. Like I think he said everything, and I feel like if I just don't, if I keep my eyes open too long, I'm gonna. I was praying with some ladies the other night, and I was like, if I just close my eyes tighter, I'm not gonna cry, you know. And then I just was buckled over in tears. So um, I don't know. It's just everything that he said is has really just been our life and obedience isn't easy it really isn't and I loved that part of the scripture when he talked about suffering and how he was affected by the things of the world like we're affected we all are but what's the choice that you're going to make in the face of what you're affected by I mean and everybody's been affected by what the church is going through currently you know what is what is the what is your response to that? It's so important. And I know that God is so faithful in the midst of our obedience. But do you love him? I mean, do you really love him? I feel like that's really a test of how much we love him. It doesn't, it doesn't, if we don't, if we don't, if we fail, if we sin, if we mess up, okay, he forgives you, right? That's grace. That's part of grace. It's the empowerment to do and to live before God. But man, we live in what? Church row here, and everybody you know loves God, right? Really? Really? Are you going to do the same? Are you really going to be obedient? Are you really going to be a disciple of God? Because that's what he's called you to do. And so, um, I don't know. God is just doing a lot. and Just let him, let him have his perfect work in your life. Don't sell it short. Done. I'm done. <laughs> I think... It- <laughs> it was a, not a perfect... Uh, um, perfect uh, way to trying to wrap up six years of our life and tie a bow on it. Um, I think that it's been the most amazing experience we've ever had to this point. And again, I would do it all over again. Some of you are like, you're crazy. I really would. I absolutely would. Pastor Bill, I was never even a full-time pastor before, before I moved here. So you take this guy who's super wet behind the ears and very zealous out of seminary and give him a shot at an at a opportunity of the lifetime, basically. That was the best decision you ever made. <laughs> it really was. Like, for my family, this was the best decision we ever made. I've made relationships, sons, daughters, that will be with us forever. It'll be the most amazing thing being able to read and hear about how you guys are, are changing the world and how the souls is different because Church of Souls exists. That's super important. And, and I think that what she was trying 
to articulate is, is being obedient when it's hard is what separates you from other people. It's easy to jump out the boat when there's water pouring in. So you know what you do instead of jumping out? Get the bucket and start throwing the water out. Like, you really don't jump out of the boat. Just bail. Bail, bail water. Keep bailing. As he's rowing, keep bailing. As he's, as, his, as he's rowing, she's steering, they're steering the boat, and they're rowing, and they're steering, and they're doing it together. Your responsibility is to, to bail water. To keep the water out of the boat so the vision can move forward. So here's the last thing I'm going to say. Things in the shoals will go better if there's more hands involved. They can't do it on their own. They don't want to do it on their own. So jump in there. Be obedient to what God's telling you to do. If you're sitting in this room, he's called you to this house, at least for now. And if this is your house, serve the house. Serve the community. Serve these pastors. Do it well. Do it with your whole heart as unto the Lord and not to man. Not to him. Do it to the Lord. And watch how God will bless you because of your obedience. The reason that we're stepping into what we're stepping into is not because it was the only thing that was out there. It's because we were obedient to what God told us to do. We were faithful where God planted us. That's the difference between the person who's obedient when it's hard and the person who just jumps out when it gets too tough. Amen? Amen. We love you. Absolutely changed our life. We love you. With every fiber of our being, we absolutely love you guys and are going to be incredibly uh, thankful and are incredibly thankful for the time we had here, for the memories, the experiences, the relationships, for all of it, and wouldn't trade for anything in the world. Amen?